0: so we may actually finish two chapters today it's possible we are on the 17th chapter of the third canto working our way nicely through the third canto believe it or not and this is uh the victory of hiranyaksha in all directions so maitreya is um going back to this story that uh, this pastime that he spoke about in the thirteenth chapter, very briefly, of the actual battle. Well, of Hiranyaksha's victory over, uh, and then the battle in the next uh, chapter. <coughs> so we're beginning with Maitreya, and we we're studying this first purport and the twentieth. So Shri Maitreya said, the demigods, the inhabitants of the higher planets, were freed from all fear upon hearing the cause of the darkness explained by Brahma, who was born from Vishnu. Thus, they all returned to their respective planets." So we, talk, we spoke about this at the end of last class. You know, Something happens to us, and when we don't know the cause of it, it creates more um, anxiety, if we, and, ex, you know, and especially that is can be lessened when we fi- find out the cause. Um, You know, the electricity goes out in your house and then you find out that, you know, the circuit breaker or you go on the radio and, you know, um, everyone in your town has its lights out and uh, they promise, uh, Pepco promises to restore electricity in the next three hours. Something like that. Say, Oh, okay, You know, but otherwise you think, well, did a thief cut the line so that he's going to break into our house or is this going to go on for the next five days or, you know, you know. Maybe World War III is coming, you know, whatever. Um, But when you find out the cause, then the anxiety reduces, you know, exponentially often. Uh, And and that happens in general when we make, in in personal relationships also, when we make so many assumptions about another person, especially we make assumptions about their motives. Um, And we tend to assume in a negative way and then when we, if we actually talk to the person and say, when you said that, did you mean this? And they're like, no, 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 I meant this. The, oh, okay. So, I mean, sometimes our assumptions are right. But um, in a vacuum of information, we make assumptions, and most people have what they call a negative inference. They assume negative things. So here, the demigods, they didn't know what was going on, right? And then uh, Lord Bra- Brahma explained to them the cause of the darkness and you know, I don't know how much of the story, I can't remember how much each story is told that these are two devotees who fell down, you know, um, and they're going to uh, cause a little havoc, <laughs> a lot of havoc for some time. But ultimately, uh, they're servants of Vishnu. <clears throat> and they said, okay, we can go back to our homes and chillax. <laughs> we can relax a little bit. So Prabhupada writes, the demigods who are denizens of the higher planets, are also very much afraid of incidents such as the universe becoming dark. And so they consulted Brahma." So yes, demigods do have fear, um, because Brahma Bhuvana Loka Punar from the highest planet in the material world down to the lowest, there's miseries. Right? Uh, wherein repeated birth and death take place. So even the demigods, they're afraid that, um, uh, who is it who uh, conquered uh, Indra's position and took over the heavenly planets? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hinoranika right, yes. So there's always that fear that, you know, someone's going to take over our position. Um, so that's, that's, that's a fear that, you know, and so here it says they're very much afraid of incidents such as the universe going. So even they have fear. And so what do they do? What do you do when you have fear? You, it's good to take shelter of, if it's, if, if it's fear based on ignorance, take shelter of someone who's in knowledge. If it's fear based on physical fear, take shelter of someone who's physically strong. Right? If it's financial fear, take shelter of someone who's wealthy. Now, if you think about it, we're basically naming uh, the definition of Bhagavan, right? the six opulences that, that the Lord has. Fa- fa- uh, fearful of infamy, take shelter of the most famous. This incident, this indicates that the quality of fear exists for every living entity in the material world. The four principal activities of material existence are eating, sleeping, fearing, and mating. The fear element exists also in the demigods. On every planet, even in the higher planetary systems, including the moon and the sun, as well as on this Earth, the same principles of animal life exist. Otherwise, why do the demigods? Why are the demigods also afraid of darkness? So fear is a universal principle in this world, and it's considered. It is called, as it, Prabhupada says here, an animal principle, that we share uh, certain commonalities with animals, and that is basically these: eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. So. Um, in the, past, in the past time with Rupa Goswami and Jiva Goswami, right, where someone was speaking ill of Rupa Goswami, and Jiva Goswami defeated him, right? And Rupa Goswami, what was his reaction to Jiva Goswami? To yeah, he, actually, he told him to leave Vrindavan. And he did not want to defend himself. So this may have to be practical according to the time, place, and circumstance. But defending oneself, even things that you said or things, people that misunderstand you, that is a kind of animal defensiveness. It's also partaking in the animal propensity of defense. Now again, for practical reasons, we we may do so. Um, If someone uh, tells our boss that we're doing a lousy job and we should be fired, and if we want to you know, still maintain the mortgage, then we may have to defend ourselves in such situations as a practical. But the devotee's tendency is to understand that that kind of defending of oneself is a kind of animal propensity, and at least thinks twice before engaging in it, even though it seems like such a natural thing to do. But sometimes, and I saw this recently uh, in an email exchange, Sometimes the more you try to defend and clarify your position, the more the other person misunderstands it. (laughs) Especially by email. Especially by email, which is just not a very good medium for real communications. So you can see. So also the demigods, also us. If there was a big, loud, crashing noise right now, immediately the fear principle would set in. If there were um, hailstones the size of golf balls right now falling, right? What, what would be our fear? Our car, yes, it's gonna have pockmarks all over it and it's gonna be hard to sell. The roof, yes, the roof, that's right. right. And if you see a friend or a loved one walking down the uh, pathway here and you're afraid they're gonna get, you know, have an NFL kind of concussion on their hands (laughs) yeah so immediately the fear principle so fear is is just around the corner all the time so now the second half of this purport talks about a uh, uh, an intelligent way to deal with it the difference between the demigods and ordinary human beings is that the demigods approach authority whereas the inhabitants of this earth Defy authority or tend to defy authority. Yes, yeah. Probably here says defy authority. If people would only approach the authority, then every adverse condition in this universe could be rectified. Arjuna was also disturbed on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, but he approached the authority, Krishna, and his problem was solved. The conclusive instruction of this incident is that we may be disturbed by some material condition, but if we approach the authority who can actually explain the matter, then our problem is solved. The demigods approached Brahma for the meaning of the disturbance, and after hearing from him, they were satisfied and returned home peacefully. It's interesting, the word authority here uh, has kind of a bad rap these days. Right? It kind of has, uh, people don't like that word so much, even though almost, well, not almost everybody deals with authorities, right? As much as they don't like authorities and don't like, you have to follow authorities. And, and you know, if you join that religion, you have to follow. they're all following their boss, even if they think the, the, the he or she is a total idiot. Because that person gives them a performance rating and ultimately may be responsible for them keep maintaining their employment, they often accept authorities. We accept authorities every time we get in a car and decide to drive on the right? We could say, "Well, I'm from India. You, you, you have bread. We have chapatis. You drive on the right. We drive on the left, right?" But no, uh, we we accept the authority that the authority says, "Drive on the right." Um, so authorities are there, and um, the question is, what we're looking for in this world is benevolent authority, right? Because what is it? Um, Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely, as the saying goes, right? And so, so many times we see that people, when they have some authority, they take advantage of it, right? Um, You'll see that sometimes in the workplace, people are equals, one gets promoted, and all of a sudden the relationship totally changes, and this guy's just, like, beaten down on the other person. You know, they got a position. Um... It can go to our head very easily Ishwaraham ishwarahammbogi sidham balavamsuki ishwaraham i'm the controller Ishwaraham ahambog, i'm this things are meant for my enjoyment including you my subordinate mbogi Sidham i'm i have i'm very good i'm perfect i mean uh, balavamsuki and i have such power i have a control over five people <laughs> in the world and I have a boss also, of course. Um, so uh, authority has a bad rap because so many times, authority goes to people's heads. And it also has that, let's be honest, in faith-based organizations as well, um, in, in the most in the most terrible ways, like uh, this was just revealed in Guam that almost like 100 priests had abused children over the last 30 years there in this little country of Guam. Um, or just we find you know you find out later that such and such uh, spiritual leader has you know uh, millions you know set aside in a Swiss bank account and houses you know mansions here and there. So authority is very in Kali Yuga, It's very hard to find benevolent authority, authority who's really there, even if whether they're good or bad at it, that's another thing. But but at least their heart is is in the right place and they only want to do good to others. And that's what the Bhagavatam is there for. Dharma Projita Kaitravatra. Paramon Nirmat Saranam Satam. And the very second verse? Is that the second verse? It says that it you know kicks out um, religion, religious principles that are not aimed at loving God and any kind of cheating mentality. Dharma Projita um, so it's hard to find that authority. And we're so fortunate that, you know, we even if we never met Srila Prabhupada, we have so, trust in him, I mean, both by his, his life history. I mean, what did he have to gain going on a steamship at 70 years old with no money in his pocket and a box of books? Right? It wasn't exactly like, you know, the dream retirement plan. Right? <laughs> there's no reason to do it and suffering heart attacks and having the name of one person in Butler Pennsylvania and that whole that whole thing and then of course all the other things that he's done and written about in his life Um, so we're fortunate to have our founder of our this organization as such a benevolent and trusting authority and so here so demigods or us, we're also meant to be demigods in that sense. Um, we, we need to search out the... the Well, what's basically... What is specifically being said here is that when the going gets tough, the tough take shelter of God. And the other flip side is when the going gets tough, we take shelter of our own abilities or, you know, worse, we take shelter of things that distract us like drugs or... Um, not great relationships or shopping or whatever right um, but here are the demigods and this is what distinguishes the difference between the demigods and ordinary human beings the demigods approach authority so this is what we have to practice this is well we don't have to in the sense that we have a choice but if we're intelligent an intelligent person practices it and just like any practice or building of any muscle it uh it takes practice to do this and that is when a challenging situation happens if our first default is to take shelter of Krishna. We see this in the Bhagavatam when Ashvatama threw the Brahmastra at Arjuna. And even though this very powerful weapon is coming at Arjuna fast and furious, his first instinct is to say some prayers to Krishna. And then he says, oh, by the way, can you help me? Can you help out here? Yeah. Right. But that was his first instinct. We, we, I, I'm not generally good at this, but um, in one instance I have developed the ability to do this to some extent. I hope I never have to use this ability again, but when, we used to, when I was used to distribute Prabhupada's books and travel around the country, we would drive a lot like 70,000 miles a, a year we'd put on the car. yeah. Um, and sometimes the cars that the temple gave us weren't the best cars in, in those days. We didn't have a lot of money. So there's so many times when we get to near-death experiences while driving, and I got very used to, Hurry to <laughs> you know, just like you know, chanting like a madman uh, when, when there was some danger. One time I remember on I-94, which is the main highway uh, going to Detroit our car just totally did a 360 right on the highway and uh, we did a lot of chanting it was snowing and you know like that so it's a muscle that we have to uh, work at and that takes sadhana it takes practice so even in small things and big things it's 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 something that it's a something that we should be working in. that doesn't mean we don't deal with things practically it does mean we say, Krishna, I got this financial problem, you take care of it, I'm going on vacation. <laughs> you know, expensive vacation. No, we, we deal with things practically. But our first instinct is to take shelter. And so here, uh, the statement is, that, or the, the instruction or the lesson is, that by doing that, we become fearless. The fear goes away. <laughs> I thought she was giving you some lessons, that, telling you some of the philosophy that I missed, messed up on. Uh, the fear goes away. <coughs> and so here it's fear based on knowledge. So I spoke a lot just there. Gosh, a lot. Looking at the clock. Some thoughts on this?
1: It also reminded me of uh, Suta Goswami.
0: Who Goswami? Suta, Suta Goswami. Goswami.
1: Like in the beginning of first canto, when he was in Naimisharanya in the assembly of the sages, they were asking him questions. And before responding to their questions, he thought about Sukadeva Goswami and offered his respects and prayers to him before he started speaking about Srimad Bhagavadam because he heard Srimad Bhagavadam from the authority, Sukadeva Goswami. So he took shelter of him before he started responding to the questions of the sages. Yes.
0: Before reciting this Bhagavatam, which is our very means of conquest, let us offer our respectful obeisance under the Supreme What is it? How does it go? Uh Nara, Nara is the second one is Nara Narayan Rishi. Under Marasas Sarasvati, the goddess of fortune. Narayanam uh, Nara Yeah, I know the Sanskrit, Narayanam Namaskri, Naram Chaivam. And to Srila Vyasa David's author. Yeah. So yeah, so that's our that's also our mood when speaking, right? We understand that. Therefore, we, we chant om ajnana, timurandasya. Agyana means ignorance. So I was born into ignorance. And my spiritual master has kindly opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. Therefore, I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. And then we pray to Rupa Goswami, Sri Chaitanya Manobhishtam, because he's actually understood the, mana, the mind of Lord Chaitanya. Yes, we need the microphone for you, Vinodji. No, no, we, uh, the whole world has to hear you speak. <laughs> <laughs> you already talked about getting rid of getting rid of fear. Yes. Again, how could of unknown fear. Unknown fear. Yes. If we don't know about it, why worry about it? <laughs> there's all kinds of there, there's all kinds of unknown fear about the future. Um what, what can you do? We're all going to die one day. That's one. Uh, what's, that's one unknown thing. We're all going to get older. Everyone, even the three-month-old baby, is going to get older. Uh, and we will get sick at some time because. And we do have to pay our taxes generally, unless we're trying to avoid them. So there are certain things that are just going to happen, and that's why Krishna says that verse. Uh, that that segment of a verse, Janma, Mrityu, Jara, Vyadi, Dukha, Doshanu, Darshanam. He says, remember what this world ultimately is like, but then there's a second part to that, and therefore take shelter of me, because just knowing that the world is a place of misery is not enough, because actually that, that could really get us depressed. right? if it's just like, oh God, I'm going to get old, and I'm going to get diseased, and then I'm going to die, ah, Right? But if, therefore, let us take shelter of the Supreme Personality of God, let's make this our last life. Krishna's so beautiful. Krishna gives protection to his devotees. Krishna knows how to dance. Uh, I'm I'm giving the Sunday open house class today, and I'm quoting uh, Frederick Nietzsche, who, paraphrasing here, I I have the exact quote, uh, says that I I would believe in a God that knew how to dance, He's one who wrote the, who is famous for saying God is dead. Of course, there's more to his philosophy than that. As a matter of fact, it's not even clear if he was an atheist. But anyway, he wrote that God is dead. Um, and then the next slide is a picture of the rasa dance. <laughs> so we believe in a God who dances. I mean, it's really nice. We have such a good thing going for us. So there's actually really good news in the midst of the, uh, uh, the realities of this world we have uh, take shelter of another reality, and then, and then, so really to answer your, your question you know, um there are unknown fears. Um, and some of us and maybe you're that type of person I'm not saying you are, uh, some of us worry about those unknown fears sometimes. Um, what we what, one of the sadhanas, we talked about sadhana practice, is that when that comes up in our mind, we consciously Direct our consciousness to Krishna it's actually a willful practice of our free will it's a proactive um, flexing of the mind's muscle it's a, I'm consciously worrying about things that I, either I can't do anything about or haven't even happened yet so I'm going to consciously redirect my thought process to Krishna Mark Twain said, uh, I, I like to say this, you probably, some of you may have heard me say it before because I like this quote, You know that many terrible things have happened to me in my life and most of them never took place <laughs> because we tend to worry. So we shouldn't be worry about worrying in the sense that in one sense it's natural because this world is a place to worry about, but it doesn't help any. And a matter of fact, there's so many studies that say it hurts our health. So the very thing we may be worrying about our health gets worse by worrying about it. So two things, actually, in this case. Is one, remembering Krishna, take shelter of him, and do something about our worry if there's something practical we can do. If it's just global warming... You know, well, we can do some things, just like you do some things. Uh, We could, you know, not use styrofoam, and you know, uh, get an electric car, you know, whatever. We there are some things we can do, but just worrying about in general, you know, what's going to happen to the Paris Accord or something like, you know, Um, but when we can do something about it, like if we have a health concern, well, take shelter of Krishna and go to a good doctor. So that's also a way to deal with worry. Uh, and fear is to is to whatever we can do, do something about it. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Get off our asanas and do something about it. Other thoughts or questions on this? Okay, that was a great verse, huh? In purport, really powerful about. Uh... Taking And then the Prabhupada says, whereas the inhabitants of this earth, we tend to defy authority. I remember I went to a devotee wedding in uh, 26 Second Avenue many years ago. And it was a devotee who was in the straight edge scene prior to, uh, so he was wearing a chutter, You know, you wear a chutter when you're getting married. And so he was adjusting the chutter and he had across his chest tattooed, I defy you. <laughs> So that was before he was a devotee, I'm sure. <laughs> he had that. but We all have that across our chest in one way or another. <laughs> one way or another, in subtle, more subtle ways, probably than the tattoo. But we do, in some ways, at least we're trying not to, but we do, in some ways, go up to Krishna and say, I do. <laughs> Anything else on this? Okay, so we're going to read a lot of uh, verses. Because the Maha Mantra has arrived, <laughs> the virtuous lady Diti had been very apprehensive. Uh, the vir- virtuous lady Diti had been very apprehensive of trouble to the gods from the children in, in her womb, and her husband predicted the same. She brought forth twin sons after a full 100 years of pregnancy. On the birth of the two demons. There were many natural disturbances, all very fearful and wonderful, in the heavenly planets, the earthly planets, and in between them. There were earthquakes along the mountains on on the Earth, and it appeared that there was fire everywhere. Many auspicious planets like Saturn appeared, along with comets, meteors, and thunderbolts. So it's interesting, um, the average... People in America are thinking that this upcoming solar eclipse is really cool. Right? I have a boss who's driving all the way, or maybe taking a train, he's not sure yet, all the way to Wyoming, and he's bringing four huge bags full of equipment to be able to uh, uh, gaze at the... Now, I'm not an astrologer or, or anything, but I do know, having lived in India for so many years, that generally such things are considered inauspicious. Rather than auspicious, and even you know in India they go to certain extents, especially in Vrindavan, people stay inside, or if they go outside, they take bath afterwards with all their clothes on, um, and the temples are closed. Even uh, we didn't. I don't know if Iskon closed their temple. because we, you know, we understand Christians transcendental to any eclipse. He eclipses the eclipse, um, but it, but for most people, it's like is it August twenty-second? 21st? So it's like, you know, um, maybe I'll call in sick that day or something. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting, you know, how things are looked at differently. Because we're hearing a lot about natural disturbances here, right? There are blue winds, which were most uninviting to the touch, hissing again and again, and uprooting gigantic trees and we know that also right that a, we use the word breeze a nice breeze is very pleasing right but something that's like a really pow- anyone been in really powerful winds one two three yeah where was yours oh hurricanes in yeah right Duh. hurricanes in florida hurricanes in chennai Oh, the sandstorms, yeah. Yeah, those are heavy. Those can be very heavy. Carbondale from St. Louis. I I didn't know it was a a tornado. Tornado, Tornado. yeah. Yeah. Like uh, we're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah, we used to get some heavy winds sometimes in Vrindavan, even sometimes. What speak of Trinavarta? That must have been heavy wind. Right. So there's a big difference between those winds that you experience in a nice breeze. Right? Yeah. So those are the kind of winds that are being described here as inauspicious. They even uprooted gigantic trees. And you might have seen that in hurricanes and, um, and, and tornadoes. And then the tsunamis caused by earthquakes. Those are, you know, really, really intense. It's amazing how earth, water, fire, air, Ether is a little harder to explain. How powerful they are, and they're created by Krishna. Right? Earthquakes, earth, water, floods, tsunamis, fire. Yeah, I think um, there's 400 fires every summer in um, big fires in Alaska, for example. Because I work at work, um, we have these smoke jumpers, people that parachute into fires. Um, yeah, it's quite it's quite an occupation. So we're here so just so just try to get, you know, whatever we've experienced, probably multiply that a number of times, and that's the kind of scene that we're getting just by the presence of Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakashipu. Bless you, Hare Krishna. They had storms. Oh wait, an upward truth, they had storms for their armies and clouds of dust for their ensigns. The luminaries in the heavens were screened by masses of clouds in which lightning sometimes flashed as though laughing. (laughs) Darkness reigned everywhere, and nothing could be seen. Maybe that was like in Israel. You had to go inside, just couldn't see anything. Yeah. Sometimes you've been in rain where you just can't see. Even the windshield wipers are going, you know, you just can't see anything. The ocean, with its high waves, wailed aloud as if stricken with sorrow, and there was a commotion among the creatures inhabiting the ocean. The rivers and lakes were also agitated, and lotuses withered. Misty halos appeared around the sun and the moon during solar and lunar eclipses. There we go. Eclipses again and again. Claps of the thunder were heard even without clouds. And sounds like those of rattling chariots emerged from the mountain caves. In the interior of the villages, she jackals yelled pretentiously, vomiting strong fire from their mouths, and jackals and owls also joined them with their cries. In Mayapur you hear the jackals at night sometimes, right? You've heard? Yeah, you heard? Yeah. It's even though it's a Dom and they're, you know, transcendental animals, the noise they make is, is unnerving, isn't it? It's eerie. Raising their necks, dogs cried here and there. Imagine, right. now, uh, now in the manner of singing and now of wailing. Ovidura, the asses ran hither and thither in herds, striking the earth with their hard hoofs. And wildly braying. Not praying, by the way. That was (laughs) B. Frightened by the braying of the asses, birds flew shrieking from their nests while cattle in the cowsheds, as well as in the woods, passed dung and urine. Cows, terrified, yielded blood in place of milk. Clouds rained pus. The images of the gods in the temple shed tears, and trees fell down without a without a blast of wind. Omnis, omnis, well, no, no, um, omnis. How do you pronounce it? Ominous. Ominous, thank you. I knew it was one of those. Pronunciations. Ominous planets such as Mars and Saturn shone brighter and surpassed the auspicious ones such as Mercury, Jupiter, and Venus, as well as a number of lunar mansions. Taking seemingly retrograde courses, the planets came in conflict with one another. So all the You know, all the the astrologers must have had a field day just figuring out all the inauspiciousness that was going on. Marking these and many other omens of evil times, everyone but the four sage, sons of Brahma, who were aware of the fall of Jai and Vijay and of their birth as Diti's sons were seized with fear. So again, because they had knowledge, they didn't have the fear. They did not know the secrets of their portents and thought that the dissolution of the universe was at hand. So Prabhupada writes that according to Bhagavad Gita, the laws of nature are so stringent that it is impossible for the living energy to surpass their enforcement. So again, we don't like the word enforcement so much, at least when it's applied to us. These two demons who appeared in ancient times soon began to exhibit uncommon bodily features. They had steel-like frames, which began to grow just like two great mountains. Their bodies became so tall that they seemed to kiss the sky with the crests of their gold crowns. They blocked the view of all directions, and while walking, shook the earth in every step, at every step. Their arms were adorned with brilliant bracelets, and they stood as if covering the sun with their waists, which were bound with excellent and beautiful girdles. Kasyapa Prajapati, the creator of the living entities, gave his two... I'm sorry, That shouldn't be... Should that be a comma? Yeah. Um, Gave his two sons their names. The one who was born first be named Hiranyaksha. And the one who was first conceived by Titi was named Hiranyakashipu. So Hiranyakashipu was the older one. So in giving birth, the older one comes out second in twins, apparently. Just for your information. Anyone here have twins? You're, that's right, I met. Yeah, Yeah. Who's older? Very good. Five by five minutes. <laughs> so that's the opposite then of this. Yeah, okay. So don't tell your brother that, according to Shastra, he's older. <laughs> Any thoughts so far? You, you, yes, Mahamantrapo.
2: So looks like um, Kashyapa Prajapati knows their nature. That's why he gave appropriate names? <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> Seems like that, <all> yes.
0: <laughs> it does seem that way. <laughs> You know. <laughs> he gave appropriate names. Yes, names of children are, uh, are meant to be appropriate. Right? Johnny Cash wrote a song called A Boy Named Sue. And he named his son Sue on purpose so that he'd grow up being tougher because he'd get beaten up and made fun of his whole life. So not that we suggest uh, <laughs> doing that. <laughs> But, you know, Srila Prabhupada sometimes gave names that made us like, really? Most of the names, you know, like Dhritarashtra, I know Prabhupada's name. Or um, you probably know Mahamaya, right? So like (laughs) Mahamaya. Interesting. (laughs) But you can explain it. Or, um, what was it? Brahmananda. Um, Was it Brahmananda? Yes, and Prabhupada said that means the bliss of the material world. And Prabhupada said that is preaching Krishna consciousness. Oh, okay. <laughs> <You know. laughs> the elder child, Hiranyakashipu, was unafraid of death from anyone within three worlds because he received a benediction from Lord Brahma. He was proud and puffed up due to this benediction and was able to bring all three planetary systems under his control. So this is coming attractions for um, Canto 7. Right. His younger brother, Hiranyaksha was always ready to satisfy his elder brother by his activities. Hiranyakshi took a club on his shoulder and traveled all over the universe with a fighting spirit just to satisfy Hiranyakashipu. And Prabhupada writes in the purport... The demoniac spirit is to train all family members to exploit the resources of this universe for personal sense gratification, whereas the godly spirit is to engage everything in the service of the Lord. Hmm? So we talked about this, I think, a few weeks ago. It's it's an important point that... uh, how do we look at the world, right? And we look at the world um, not for our exploitation, right, um, but rather for uh, engaging in Krishna's service. So, uh, I, I, you know, of course, I, I often, because when you work, when you do something 40 hours a week, you think about it, right? So uh, at work, we, we, we're dealing a lot with the natural resources of America, the oil, the minerals, the land, uh, et cetera, the coal. All those things are under part of the Department of the Interior. So now this administration wants to more exploit um, the uh, resources, especially the natural gas and oil, right? Um, And of course, the environmentalists, they want to preserve it. Now, if you really wanted to get a little picky, you could say they also want to preserve it for enjoyment. Not necessarily for God's service, although it's certainly a more sattvic kind of kind of enjoyment. Um, but the idea is that we would um, take things one step further, right? If we went to beautiful places like the Grand Canyon or uh, Glacier National Park or etc., we would see the beauty and then connect that beauty with the with its origin, right? And and in that way. Um, make that make that connection, but the demoniac is to only think of the world for our exploitation for our sense gratification, and even there you know people can be religious and think that God God gave humans everything to, to basically use for in their service, so that also of course includes animals and etc and what to speak of natural resources so our As devotees, um, we want to look at the resources of this world in a certain way. What way would that be? Yeah, in service for Krishna. So we may, you know, um, prefer that, because Mother Earth is a mother, one of the seven mothers, right? So we would probably prefer that people would be more, you know, environmentally conscious, Right, and use um, whatever electric cars or whatever. But if we have a gas-based um, car, then at least we should use that in Krishna's service. Like that. What? Are, any other thoughts on this? Because this is, you know, this this is kind of bringing our philosophy down to our practical day-to-day lives.
1: So. Prabhupada is talking about two kinds of spirits here, like the demoniac spirit to exploit and the godly spirit to use it in Krishna's service. And looks like the demigods fit somewhere in between.
0: <laughs> well, they're called sakama devotees. So they may have sakama means with desire, other than to serve Krishna. And of course it's mixed, it's a kitri. So we could, the lesson we can learn from that is that we want to practice becoming nishkama right um, to only as it says here to engage everything in the service of the Lord that time Srila Prabhupada arrived on the airplane and the, uh, the reporter said so Swamiji you know you, it seems that you are teaching your disciples to reject this world why are you coming on an airplane he just smiled and he said to be one with you <laughs> but uh, ultimately we 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 want to use everything in christian service i guess what i'm also what i'm trying to get at is that we, you know we have to deal with this world right every one of every one of us sitting here used some natural resources to come here today right every one of us probably i think everyone here drove here some way so that that takes some natural resources to do that and you know in and in an ideal world a totally ideal world, that might not be the case. We're not living in an ideal world today. Um, And therefore we use, we're practical and we try to use things in Krishna's service. And we try to, as much as we can practically do so, walk gently on the earth. Right? You know it is very much setting the example for us, especially your daughter, right? Your daughter is very much like this, right? Your daughter is very much into making sure we, we tread gently on the earth yes. and on the environment, right? Thank you for the, for yeah, okay. So that's the balance sometimes about practicality. Um, but it's, but it's, the devotee doesn't just want to save the environment but sees the connection between the environment and Krishna. So we, cause we were, where was I? I was with my wife someplace. Oh, we were at some Namahata program or something and they were serving um, styrofoam plates. She, she, she pulled the host aside and said, how can you, how can you do this? <laughs> Correct. By your grace. Yes. <laughs> so, um Yeah. And even, I think the most, well, some, sometimes at least the plates that we use at the Sunday program are biodegradable, and often the spoons and things are. Um, so we, 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 we do our best. Um, but it, We have to be practical, yet we, 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 we do our best. So said someone who's a proud owner of two Prius. <laughs> Any other thoughts on this? Okay. All right, so we carry on. Hiranyaksha's temper was difficult to control. He had anklets of gold tingling about his feet. He was adorned with a gigantic garland, and he rested his huge mace on one of his shoulders. His mental and bodily strength, as well as the boon conferred upon him, had made him proud. He feared death at the hands of no one and there was no checking him. The gods therefore were seized with fear at his very sight and they hid themselves even as snakes hide themselves for fear of Garuda. On not finding Indra and the other demigods who had previously been intoxicated with power, the chief of the Daityas, seeing that um, they had all vanished before his might, roared loudly. After returning from the heavenly kingdom, the mighty demon, who was like an elephant in wrath, for the sake of sport, dived into the deep ocean, which was roaring terribly. On his entering the ocean, the aquatic animals who formed the host of Aruna were stricken with fear and ran far away. Thus Hiranyaksha showed his splendor without dealing a blow, moving about in the ocean for many many years. The mighty Hiranyaksha, uh, what's that word? Smote. Smote the gigantic wind-tossed waves again and again, and his, with his iron mace, and reached Vibhavari, the capital of Varuna. Vibhavari. Is the home of Varuna, Lord of the aquatic creatures and guardian of the lower regions of the universe, where the demons generally reside. There, Hiranyaksha fell at Varuna's feet, like a low-born like low man. And to make fun of him, he said with a smile, "Give me battle, O supreme lord. You are the guardian of an entire sphere, and a ruler of wide fame, having crushed the might of the might of arrogant and conceited warriors." and having conquered all the Taitiyas and Tanavas in the world, you once performed the Rajasuya sacrifice to the Lord. Thus, mocked by an enemy whose vanity knew no bounds, the worshipful Lord of the waters waxed angry, but by dint of his reason he managed to curb the anger that had sprung up in him. And he replied, O dear one, we have now desisted from warfare, having grown old from combat. So there's a lesson here. Um, Sometimes when we get angry, we only think about winning. I see this a lot in um, in legal battles, right? And especially in India, although in America also. Lawyers keep on telling... Well, in India, almost always... I know a lot of lawyers in India. They almost always tell you you have a good case. <laughs> you have a really strong case. Yeah? Even if you have a weak <laughs> very weak case. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. So... Our reason can overtake us, and we just think of winning, and we don't often think of consequences. All right? Somebody, you know, um, I was... I forgot what was happening. I was driving a little slowly, um, and I was in the left lane, and so the car was behind me was beeping, and then he passed me on the right, and, you know, it gave me a certain gesture. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I had let anger overtake me right I might have pressed on the gas and give him another gesture or whatever and who knows maybe the guy you know had a has a 45 and is you know who knows right so we chose the better part of value and just like that so um it's uh, it is it, showing his his wisdom here I think no no he knew that he ran he was no match for Hiran Yaksha Right? Some of they just, you know, even if uh, they think they're going to die, they don't mind. But he was smart enough. No, no, I've gotten a little too old now. Basically, he said, pick on somebody your own size. (laughs) Right, Namely, we're going to hear who he picked on, right? And Prabhupada writes, as we see, warmongering materialists always create fighting without reason. And you see that, that, you know, only in 2020 hindsight, even the wars that we have in this world, you know, it, well, of course, we, we, we hear in other parts of the Shastra that it's due to karma, these kind of things happen. But what's, you know, what does America and North Korea have? Why can't they just like to agree to disagree and get on with their lives? You, I mean, you could say on one hand, right? But who knows? Without fighting without reason, there may be some economic reasons, in this and this not—I don't mean to belittle that—but in the bigger picture, it's not so significant. Uh, so you are so skilled at, in war that I do not see anyone. But well, he, so he—he he does a good job here, right? He says, "Okay, not me, but I do have a worthy opponent for you." So he's being right. Um, you are so skilled in war that I do not see anyone else but the most ancient person, Lord Vishnu, who can give satisfaction in battle to you. So he's also saying, listen, this is not this is going to be a mismatch, so you won't be satisfied because country is like a good fight. So it's a reasonable argument. Therefore, O chief of the Asuras, approach him, whom even heroes like you mention with praise. Varuna continued, on reaching him, you will be rid of your pride at once and will lie down on the the battle surrounded by dogs for eternal sleep it is in order to exterminate wicked fellows like you and to show his grace to the virtuous that he assumes his various incarnations like varaha that ends that chapter (laughs) so but you know for a that's that's inspiring words oh yeah you think he's gonna kill me ha It's not easy for us to fully comprehend the mood of Kshatriya. Uh, we get some idea. So, any thoughts on, the, on this chapter? Yeah? Microphone.
3: Your thoughts on anger are very appropriate.
0: What do you mean? I wasn't talking about anger. Did you want to say something else? Um, <laughs> more. Um,
3: it, it's uh, incumbent upon us as devotees to control the mind, um, and beyond that, to aspire for brahminical qualities, and uh, and all of that is. We can see it as as one one way. At least when I was uh, a new bhakta, I was taught that the the way to see these things is as a test from Krishna. How how do we respond?
0: Yeah. So anger. um, One way to become free from anger. Now we're talking practically speaking, is uh, to try to empathize. Now we're not, you know, especially, um, yeah, like for example, my wife and I have this little joke if somebody is really driving crazy on the highway, we say to each other, he's probably rushing his wife to the hospital. She's about to give birth. Because <laughs> right? if, if that were the case, you'd think, go for it, man, you know, floor it, right? But just in general, if we, in our regular day to day dealings, if we can empathize with others and try to understand, as Prabhupada says in one place, understand their point of view. We may not always agree with it. Many times we may not agree with it. Um, That can often subdue whatever anger we have towards that person. Um, Also understanding that most people are just trying to kind of get their needs met or, then we can empathize more. It, it, it also comes, uh, I see this often when we're raising children, um, because our children are very different than us. You ever notice that? <laughs> right? Like for, for me, my mother couldn't understand me becoming a devotee, right? And therefore she wanted to hire a deprogrammer, but he charged too much money and she, Jewish, she didn't want to spend it. Okay. And then I am a—I converted to Krishna consciousness. You could say, right? I became a devotee, although I'm still—it's a work in progress. Um, when I was 18, it's hard for me to understand my son, who was born in Vrindavan or, or born into a devotee family, and how how he sees Krishna is different than how I see Krishna. And so, if I, you know, uh, and then. Um, let's say for some of the devotees in this room, um, we are what's usually called uh, first-generation immigrants, right? So our parents back home may not fully understand some of the things we've adopted, right? Because we've moved to America and, you know, they... um, And then we, if our children were born here or came here when they were young, we have our background growing up in India, right? And they have—they're grow, grow, growing up in America, and they, and for many of them they've been devotees either from birth or from a young age, and we converted. So you have a double thing, right—the whole conversion thing, and then also the India-America thing, right? So it's it's usually really helpful for us. I you know I can remember sometimes you know like getting angry at Gopinath, right? You know like, why aren't you chanting it? You know whatever. Um, and then trying to, but trying to understand how he sees Krishna. Because for him, especially, you know, uh, Vrindavan adds to this, Krishna is like, you know, a hometown boy. A hometown, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and so I found that when I tried to understand as much as I could where he's coming from, it helped me deal with him a lot better. Because it is a different mindset than I had. You know, a different mindset. So anger can s- often be subsided with empathy can be uh can be reduced when we understand the other person. We understand what uh what what they do. I'm trying to let me think I can think of another can anyone think of an example from Shastra of that? That when we understood the motive or, or the mindset behind someone, then things calmed down, yeah.
1: Vidura was like insulted by Duryodhan, but Vidura understood f- where from Duryodhan is coming from, and he said like, "Okay, fine." Mm. He Just kept his left his bow and arrows at the doorstep, and then said like, "I will walk out." That's
0: a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. And even for us, this is a little different, but for us understanding Krishna, right? Because some people, you know, the, you know, we know the, the the complaints about Krishna that he Dances with the young women at night. He broke his promise when he was about to attack Bhishma. Um, you know, because, but when we, un- when we, not that we can actually understand Krishna's mind or empathize with him, but when we hear that the only time he acts in ways that seem inappropriate, it's out of love for his devotees. And when you hear that, you go, oh. And I find that's the best way to explain to people, well, yeah, why is God dancing with so many women at Dead at Night? First of all, you explain it. You know, um, they were pre-teens, <laughs> right? That's one thing, but that's not the main thing. The main thing is it's, it's, it's a whole, you're totally misinterpreting the whole thing. He's doing it out of affection for the gopis. So that empathy uh, helps us avoid offenses, right? Because a devotee may do something, we think, what the, what the heck? You know, but then when you talk to them, and you understand, oh, that's why. That can really that can really be helpful. Comes up a lot in, um, well, in in ISKCON, in senior leadership, and also in the world, in the workplace, because in the in both times, there's certain things you can't just tell everybody. Right, like uh, in in the workplace, you're not you complain to your boss about somebody. Uh, the boss takes care about somebody else. The boss actually takes care of it, but you don't see them taking care of it, so you think the boss didn't do anything. But actually, the boss is, by law, is not allowed to tell you about personnel actions they took against someone else. So there's this misunderstanding. So similarly, in, in ISKCON, sometimes senior leaders may make this or that decision. They may have thought about it completely, or, um, or they may, have, may even sometimes may have to chastise another devotee. And you say, why did they, such a nice devotee, why did they do that? And they're not allowed to tell you, well, he actually stole this money and he did this, and, you know, because they don't want to speak badly about another person like that. So the more we can get understanding or, or at least give people the benefit of the doubt. My mama used to always teach me, assume good intentions. Microphone. <laughs>
3: You made me think of that example of Lord Vishnu being kicked in the chest and saying, I'm so sorry, my chest was hard and your foot might have been hurt by
0: the kicking. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he meant it. Yeah, that's that's what's scary. He actually meant it, yeah. So yeah, I I have... um, you know, anger. We've we've talked about how anger is a secondary emotion that it usually comes from. This usually, Krishna says it, Kama asha, krodasha, and in other places, fear is, usually, is sometimes the first thing, and then comes anger. Um, but also, one way of to curb it is to understand the person, try to understand, or put ourselves in the in the flip flops in, in Krishna consciousness of the other person. We say shoes, right? But devotees wear or the Birkenstocks. Or whatever. <laughs> or the Nikes. <laughs> okay, now we're really getting privileged We we'll go on to verse uh, chapter 18. Okay, Maitreyas continued. The proud and falsely glorious Daitya paid little heed to the words of Runa. So it just went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> oh, dear Vidura, he learned from Narada the whereabouts of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and hurriedly betook himself to the depths of the ocean. He saw there the all-powerful personality of Godhead in his boar incarnation, bearing the earth upward on the ends of his tusk and robbing him of his splendor with his reddish eyes. The demon laughed, Oh, an amphibious beast! Which is a ho mriga. The demon addressed the Lord. "O best of the demigods, dressed in the form of a boar, just hear me. This earth is entrusted to us, the inhabitants of the lower regions, and you cannot take it from my presence and not be hurt by me. Prabhupada writes, uh, Sridhar Swami, commenting on this verse, states that although the demon wanted to deride the personality of God in the form of a boar, Actually, he worshipped him in several words. For example, you like this? He addressed him as Vanagochara, which means one who is a resident of the forest. But another meaning of Vanagochara is one who lies on the water. Vishnu lies on the water, so the Supreme Personality of Godhead can be properly addressed in this way. The demon also addressed him as Mriga, indicating unintentionally that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is sought after by great sages, saintly persons, and transcendentalists. He also addressed him as Agya. Sridhar Swami says that Gya means knowledge, and there is no knowledge which is unknown to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Indirectly, the demon said that Vishnu knows everything. The demon addressed him as Sura Dharma. Sura means the demigods, and Dharma means Lord of all there is. He is the Lord of all the demigods, therefore, he is the best of all demigods or God. When the demon used the phrase, in my presence, the implied meaning was, in spite of my presence, you are completely able to take away the earth. Naswasti <laughs> yasyasi, unless you kindly take this earth from our custody, there can be no good fortune for us. So, this is not the first time this happens, right? And I just have to type this in, in antya5137.
3: Since uh, 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 Hiranyacha is uh, one of the, uh, uh, in, in, not incarnations, we can't say that, uh, lifetime uh, uh, presences of, of Jaya and Vijay. <coughs> is it possible to surmise that this was a knowledgeable, uh, you know what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, um, a a
3: play a play acting uh, insult, but actually actually a glorification.
0: I don't know. He was into it, <laughs> as they say. Right. Oh, was it? Um, Chapter five. Oops. So in the Leela, chapter five, text one thirty-seven, it begins that there's a, there's just a lot of examples. I guess we may not have time to go through all of them, but um, of people trying to insult Krishna, and in doing so, Mother Saraswati tricked them into glorifying Krishna. All right. Um, here is, for example, Indra at one time when he was a little puffed up. Um, Indra thought, I have properly chastised Krishna and defamed him. But Saraswati, the goddess of learning, took this opportunity to offer prayers to Krishna. The word vachala is used to refer to a person who can speak according to Vedic authority. And balisa means innocent. Krishna spoke Vedic, Vedic literature, yet he always presents himself as a prideless, innocent boy. and goes on to give um, a number of examples uh, about Jarasundar doing the, the same thing happening. Um, so, Marasaraswati took Purusha Dharma to mean Purushottama, he to whom all men are subordinate. And it, go, uh, it goes on like that. I remember one time, and this was, I think it was just near the time of Srila Prabhupada, it might have even been the first disappearance day ceremony of Srila Prabhupada in Vrindavan. And certainly we won't mention names, but there was one disciple of Srila Bhakti, Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur, who was kind of, basically what he said was that we could have also done what Swamiji did. We could have also gone to the west but we did not have the mentality to mix with these low class people. Right, So when we when we, we when we talked about it later, um, devotees said that yes, um, that person may not have had the mentality, and that mentality mentality was one of incredible compassion, <laughs> incredible determination to follow the instructions of his spiritual master. Of course, he was thinking, you know, we don't have the idea. To, we we only talk to high class people. We don't talk to yavanas and maleches and the hippies and things like that. But you know, Saraswati kind of use that as a glorification of Śrīla Prabhupāda. So I just thought that was an interesting thing to highlight here, how that can sometimes, uh, you can t- take, take things and twist them a little bit.
3: <laughs> are we saying here that that Yaksha's statements are, are being converted by Mother Saraswati?
0: Yes. That's basically what we're saying. So now I, sorry, I have to go back to what verse was that? That was three, right? Take me a second because I' now I'm in the Chaitanya chart. I'm read right my computer. So Canto 3, chapter 18, verse four. Verse four. "You rascal. You have been nourished by our enemies to kill us, and you have killed some demons by remaining invisib- invisible." Oh fool. Your power your power, is only mystic, so today I shall enliven my kinsmen by killing you. The demon continued, when you fall dead with your skull smashed by the mace, hurled by my arms, the demigods and sages who offer your oblations and sacrifice and devotional service will also automatically cease to exist like trees without roots. Imagine a tree without a root. Although the Lord was pained by the shaft-like, abusive words of the demon, he bore the pain. But seeing that the earth on the ends of his tusk was frightened, he rose out of the water just as an elephant emerges with its female companion when assailed assail- by an alligator. So a very interesting purport here. The Mayavadi philosopher cannot understand that the Lord has feelings. So just that, those last three words. The Lord has feelings. So I think the, the introspective question is, to what extent do we believe that? Or maybe even word it more importantly, to what extent do we act on that? To what extent do we pray, but we're kind of not sure if is listening to everything we're saying? Right, or to what extent do we really are we having a real conversation with a person? The Lord is satisfied if someone offers him a nice prayer. And similarly, if someone decries his existence or calls him by ill names, God is dissatisfied. So we have likes and dislikes. You know, don't like Loki, like punnier, right? So why can't? Where did that? Does where did that? Where did that or- originate? of having likes and dislikes. Mm -hmm. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is decried by the Mayavadi philosophers who are almost demons. They say that God has no head, no form, no existence, and no legs, hands, or other bodily limbs. In other words, they say that he is dead or lame. All these misconceptions of the Supreme Lord are a source of dissatisfaction to him. He is never pleased with such atheistic descriptions. In this case, although the Lord felt sorrow from the piercing words of the demon, he delivered the earth for the satisfaction of the demigods who are ever his devotees. The conclusion... Listen to this sentence. This sentence we could meditate on for many lifetimes. The conclusion is that God is as sentient as we are. The conclusion is that God is as sentient as we are. Someone look up sentient real quick. Is that what you're doing, my mantra? Yeah? Really? I thought you were answering your emails. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. So um, God is as sentient as we are. He is satisfied by our prayers and dissatisfied by our harsh words against him in order to give protection to his devotees, Jaya Sisi Gornitai, Sitaram Lakshman Hanuman, Radha Madan Mohan Ki Jai. Having the power of perception by the senses. The, this is a very important definition. I didn't realize it was going to be that great. Uh, the power of perception by the senses. So one definition of Krishna is that he has... Perfect senses. He had God has senses. Now the senses can be what do we say? intertwined Not the, that's not the word. Inter. When one can, they can perform other. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What is it? Angani yes, sakalin tiryavriti manti. Right. They can. They can be swapped. Yeah. But he has senses. We have senses. We use them nonstop. So Krishna has senses, and of course. It's not just prayers, but it's the quality of the prayer. That also is uh, proportionate. Um, But that's so, the conclusion is that God is sentient. He has senses as much as we have. Yeah, Um, as we, I'm sorry, yeah. The conclusion is that God is as sentient as we are. And you might say more sentient, but yes. So he hears our prayers. He knows our struggles. He commiserates with us and challenges. So he's a person. The first, what is the second? Oh, the first sentence. The Lord has feelings. And so then you think about that verse, Krishna Buli Sejiva Nadhir Bahir That from practically time immemorial, we've turned our back on Krishna. And we all know that example, right? If I were to um, turn my back right now on you all, it's not a very nice thing to do. Right? I got a complaint at work the other day that two people were, they were on travel together and they were doing a training. And at the end, they got into a bit of a dispute and they, were, they had a three-hour drive and then a two-hour plane ride. They didn't talk to each other the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. didn't talk to each other the whole time. So they have feelings. Let's speak of Krishna having feelings. Do you want to say something?
2: My thoughts are going to the previous verse about the killing killing yeah so there is a paradigm difference when Krishna kills it is out of compassion and it's an ultimate good for that living entity yes it? but the among among the living entities this idea of killing why is it so prominent like is it
0: deep-rooted bodily conception that I am annihilating the other person? Well, yes, if I envy someone to the extent that I don't want them to exist anymore.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, like in everything else, people, not everything else, but like many things, people kill for different reasons. But it is a... uh, It's a deeply troubled mindset. I want
2: to see one experience for
0: who. You, who did you kill? No, I didn't oh. kill.
2: <laughs> I, I had to. I was
0: going to say, don't, you
2: know. <laughs> this... <laughs> I felt sometimes, but yes. I, I had to attend a court case in India, and that was a sessions, uh, because somebody forged my grandfather's signature and claimed they are the. Forgery? The, yes. So, but the case before ours was a murder case.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: One person from the same village killed another person with a stone for 20 rupees. That's uh oh, sorry, for two rupees. Two rupees. Yes, because... So, the judge was doing the... I um, mean, the lawyers were doing cross-examination, but judge asked him how can you kill a person you've known for more than 40 years for two rupees? So, and the, what do you call the guy who's accused? Yeah, he was saying, how the hell I knew it was two rupees? I thought it was 20 rupees. <laughs> so, so, the judge was like, he was in shock, like he kind of, I think he cried. <laughs> so, that's from that time onwards, like, that thought troubles like killing you know if that guy would have asked him he would have been happy to give him 20
0: rupees mm. and whether it's 20 rupees or 20 crore it's still bad there's a saying that Prabhupada used to quote in Bengali that um, was it whether you steal kira or chira, whether you steal a, a cucumber or a diamond It's still a theft, (laughs) although you know sometimes there are proportions. Yeah, no, and of course we do it for different reasons: jealousy, envy, money, um, anger, uh, mental instabilities, so many things. Although the law, we read that, so it's quite a purport, huh? Krishna is sentient. And he's a good dancer. It's a good combination. Isn't there, isn't there a TV show or something, So You Think You Can Dance? Like that? Or Dancing with the Stars? Something like that? So imagine if Krishna entered that competition. <laughs> Every year he'd win. <laughs> the demon who had golden hair on his head and fearful tusks gave chase to the lord while he was rising from the water even as an alligator would chase an elephant roaring like thunder he said are you not ashamed of running away before a challenging adversary there is nothing reproachable for shameless is oh there is nothing reproachable for shameless creatures report when the lord was coming out of the water taking the earth on his in his arms to deliver it, the demon derived him with insulting words. But the Lord did not care, because he was very conscious of his duty. For a dutiful man, there is nothing to fear. Similarly, those who are powerful have no fear of derision or unkind words from an enemy. So this is the point I wanted to say, that the dutiful man has nothing to fear. So when we're doing our duties, and especially meaning to follow the instructions of the spiritual master. There's nothing to fear. We do our best and leave the rest up to God. And we're on the path. And, you know, we're following Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra. We're on the, la- uh, the razor's edge. What's there to fear? The fear in a good person comes when we know we're doing something wrong. Right? that's for a good person they feel lamentation they feel yeah um, <clears throat> repentance um, but if we're doing our duty and of course in you know in krishna consciousness that means not just maintaining our family and everything but an additional the spiritual duties and then what's there to fear if we die on the battlefield doing our service There's no fear. So, duty is, uh, duty is the basis of the Bhagavad Gita. Beyond duty, of course, is love and bhakti, but the pratishtha, the basis, is, is doing our duty. It's a very sattvic thing to do our duty. And this was one of the things that Prabhupada found um, unkind about Western civilization. Is that the second some inconvenience got in the way people didn't do their duty? He would often say, "There's some dispute, and immediately there's divorce. Whereas at least traditionally it's changing now in India. But traditionally, even when I first moved there in the '80s, um, most you know good families, there was no question of divorce. you fight, you get over it, you fight again, you get over it, but there was just no you know it just it was just one of those things. Well, the thought didn't even enter the mind because it just wasn't. You know, people were dutiful enough to to do things. So duty is a good thing, of course. When we add bhakti to that, then it takes, then it flourishes exponentially. But one definition of pop or sin is not doing one's duty. Matter of fact, that's the, one of the, the main definition in the Gita. Once one
3: has made a determination to do one's duty. Um, You were saying there is no fear and I just wanted to respectfully qualify that just a bit that perhaps uh, in the course of doing one's duty, there are several choices that are before us as to what is the best way and am I doing that most pleasing or, or doing that duty in the, in the most pleasing way, that could cause some uh, fear or anxiety.
0: Yeah, so, but if we know we have the right intention and we're praying to Krishna, then we do the best we can. So on that note, we didn't finish this chapter, but um, there's only a couple of other verses to go over, so we'll go over them next week. Next week there is class. Two weeks from now? Sometime in the future, I'm going somewhere. <laughs> <Does> That's <sound? laughs> not... But not for the next two weeks at least. It might be at the end of August. I was going go to go um, to the Ukraine. There was a big festival there, like 10,000 devotees. But now a devotee here is uh, having a surgery, and that devotee asked me to stick around and help them uh, with their recuperation, so I just canceled my my trip to the Ukraine so we'll be here for that okay yes
2: in the very beginning you said that sometimes you want to clarify certain things they get more complicated or complex so how do you how you get rid of those things you were talking about sending emails or talking to them
0: oh um between two people yes okay well we um We don't use email. (laughs) We either talk to them face to face, Mm -hmm. and even then we we have a little plan about how we're going to say something that we think will have the best effect on the other person. And we may even consult some people who know about communications and how to use communications properly. And then if it's really gotten to a stage where it's really pretty bad, then we may ask a neutral third person who has some training. in in uh, facilitating a dialogue to have that discussion. Okay. Um, and then we, we we talk to the other person, basically assuming good intentions, and just talking about how whatever's going on makes us feel, rather than being accusatory. Okay. Yeah, so if you say, I really feel sad, no one can argue with that, they're gonna say, well, how can you feel sad? <laughs> Bogus, You know. you know, but if you say, you acted like a real fool the other day. They can definitely argue with that. <laughs> but if we talk about our feelings and why we have those feelings, and then be ready to listen, one of the best things we can do in those situations is listen to another person. Okay. Listening diffuses things a lot. DK? DK. Okay. Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Kijai.